Hey everybody, I'm Kyle Harmon. I'm actually a worship pastor now. My bad. I also make the pro presenter, so I messed that up. <laughs> messed up my own title. But um, for those of you that have been here the last little while, we've been starting our uh, sermon time and our time together with a little bit of fellowship, relational time. So we have a question we'd like to show you real quick. So we're going to take about five minutes, and I, I mean five like Presbyterian minutes. I don't mean like five Pentecostal minutes. I don't want, I don't want 15 minutes. Five minutes. And you're going to go get some, some food and some drinks, grab whatever you want, have a conversation, talk to somebody maybe you don't know, maybe not just your neighbor, the person you already know, and ask them this question. What is your favorite type of firework or firework experience? I have a great story for you you don't want to miss when you get back, okay? So go have fun. <laughs> hey, everybody. Come on back. Come on back. Oh, no. Somebody invited the Pentecostals. We're still talking. Come on. Come on back. Let's get. Listen, you got to hear this story. Trust me. Okay, I'm going to give you ten more seconds of conversation. Finish your final statements. This is great. I actually love. I love hearing the the talking and that there's actual fellowship going on. That's the point of this. Um, but I just wanted to share. So, my fireworks experience was. I think I was four, fourteen or fifteen, and my grandma was there and my whole family was there and we used to go to Wyoming and buy like quarter sticks of dynamite. We were that family. (laughs) Fireworks was like just basically low-grade explosives (laughs) in my family. Um, That was my mom's side. They're crazy. Love them. Love you, mom. She's watching. I love your family. Um, So, but but, um, my cousin Colin was probably like eight and he's, he was a little bit of a brat, and we loved him. But the kid, was, he just wanted to do everything. And so we had this, like, 100, you know the little, like, 100 mortars that shoot off? They go pretty far, and they're fun. Uh, but it's, you light it, and it's, it's going, right? There's 100 of them. Um, and so he lit the thing, and he begged us to let him light it. And we we're like, oh, fine, Colin, go light it. And he lit it. And right as he lit it, he kicked it, and it flipped up on its side <laughs> and aimed at the garage, and our entire family was sitting there. Um, and... <laughs> We all looked at it for about a half second, and then and a whole bunch of expletives were, were screamed by the Fitzgerald family. Again, mom, love your family. And, uh, and then everybody just ran, um, and about 100, 100 rockets shot into the garage at my uncle's cars and at everybody. And we're all, we all looked after it was about, about you know, a minute or so of, of flying rockets. And we looked at each other. We're like, we're okay, okay, we're okay. Where's grandma? We had left my grandma in the garage in her wheelchair. (laughs) Yes, fortunately, I was not one of her sons (laughs) who just left their mom there. And um, she had about 100 rockets go whizzing past her and miraculously none of them hit her. She had her oxygen tank. We were talking, this was a very bad situation. Yeah, may not let her live that. She did not let them live that down for a while, but... We were fine. Everybody was fine. So, so light whatever you want to light this, uh, this July 4th. Just kidding. It's illegal. Um, so <laughs> after that, let's get into a little bit more serious. But, but really, um, my name is Kyle Harmon. It's, uh, it's such a blessing to be with you. I'm um, Actually, this is my first time preaching as one of your pastors here at Pine Lake Covenant. And it's an honor and a joy. So thank you for that. Um, and the passage we are preaching from um, is actually in Philippians, Philippians 2. So let me, let me read that for us, and please don't read it with me, it is super long. <laughs> okay, Philippians 2, it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement 
from being united with Christ, and if any comfort in his love, and if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, and being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above or better than yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, in some it says a slave, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at that name of Jesus Christ every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your word. I pray that you make sense to us out of this word that you sent through your servant Paul to the people of Philippi. God, help us hear what you have for us in this word so that we might live in accordance with your commandments and with your will. God, may these words be for us as a community, the living water that brings us life and brings life to the world around us. Well, we pray these things in your name. Amen. So I confess that when Pastor Austin, and he's gone this week, so we're going to make fun of him. When Pastor Austin gave out the preaching assignments, <laughs> Julie, don't tell me, um, I chuckled a little bit when I saw that I was going to be preaching on humility of all things. Yeah, I know. People that know me are like, oh yeah, here we go. I will say that humility is not necessarily my greatest gift. Um, I'm going to admit that right now. <laughs> I think I'm pretty good at most things. Uh, and, <laughs> and when I told Joanna, when I told Joanna, you know you married the right person, when she just literally laughed in my face <laughs> that I was going to be preaching on humility. And it was kind of like Sarah when, when Abraham hears that, you know, that she's going to have a child and she's like 90 and she's like, yeah, uh-huh. That's what Joanna did. It was great. And because I've never, not always been considered the most humble person. And this, actually, this really bugged me growing up because I was, I was a confident kid, I, like I said. I thought I could do things really well. And I get that from my dad, and my mom, um, my mom calls this uh, about me and my dad our, uh, our irrational self-confidence. <laughs> and it's just like, like, even before service, I was like explaining how to cook a steak and whatever, like I knew it. And, um, and they were like, you should start a food blog. And I'm like, you should tell my wife. She'll laugh at that too. <laughs> Because I do not cook steak, but that's about it. Um, so, but I, uh, I, I was kind of bugged by this idea of being humble because I wasn't that humble. And how many of you in here went to or go to Christian school? Any of you? Yeah, Joanna, Greg, love it. A few others. Evie, uh-huh, I see you. Well, I went to 20 years of private Christian schools. Yeah, it's a lot, yeah. I know, I'm pretty normal. I'm pretty normal. Um, <laughs> And actually, I, I love my Christian schools, I love my Christian friends, and uh, had a wonderful time going to them and going to Vanguard University, that's where I met Joanna. And I'm really grateful that I got to go there. But Christian schools are different, um, and one of the ways that they're different is that they don't give awards like best grades, best smile, or like most likely to succeed. No, no. There wasn't a homecoming king or queen, instead their awards are like best disciple, or Mr. Meekness. It's always like... <laughs> It's always like these weird Christianese 
things that you're like, that's weird. Um, and then, and then the, the worst one, there was always this award for the kid that was like the most godly. And I don't even know what we called it in my school. I know Bellevue Christian calls it the Spirit Award. Um, and I don't know what we called it, but I called it the Jesus Award, mockingly. And I called the kid Jesus. Because there's, like, there's literally a verse in the Bible, right, in Psalms where it says, man looks out the outside, but God looks at the heart. And we're going to make this award that like, somehow we know what, like, how godly this kid is. It's, it's, it's weird. But all it was was they gave it out to the kid who was just the quietest, Right? <laughs> whoever made the least waves and didn't make any sounds in class that was it it was the only requirement and one of my friends actually won the Jesus award my senior year and he wasn't even a Christian <laughs> I'm not kidding he was just so quiet they didn't know he wasn't a Christian he was an introvert um, but he won man Jesus award go Keith so for those of you who know me well you knew that there was no way on God's green earth that I'm ever going to win that award because uh, I'm not quiet enough for that award. And I was going to fail miserably if the only requirement was being quiet. I was too confident. I made too many jokes. And it's funny now. We can laugh at it now. But when I was a kid, that kind of said something big to me. It kind of said, you're never really going to be like Jesus, Kyle. And if I can't be quiet or I just, I'm always getting in people's way, I'm never going to be humble enough for God. So that's often how I think as a society and church, we think about the concept of humility. But in this passage that we read, Paul uses a word in Greek, it's tapeinos. Um, and that word, it doesn't mean, mean like thinking poorly of yourself or thinking like you're a worm, which I think is usually, oh, humble me. Um, but actually it means seeing yourself rightly. Humility means seeing yourself rightly. Hmm, that's not the definition of the Jesus Award. That's not the definition I grew up with, and we don't grow up with in the church. So what does seeing ourselves rightly look like? And what, what does that change about our view of humility? For me, seeing myself rightly means that I see my strengths and I see my weaknesses. And I have a lot of weaknesses. And that's my challenge as a person who's confident is I have to go, actually, that's a weakness of mine and I can't do that. That's seeing myself rightly. But for that introvert that sees themselves poorly maybe and they oh I can't step into that seeing themselves rightly might mean they step up and do the thing that they need to do so guess what God made me like I am and he didn't make me quiet I've never been accused of being quiet he made me he didn't make me an introvert and that's okay God loves me as he made me and he made my quiet friends too bless you introverts the world needs you the world needs my wife she's an introvert amen thank you babe (laughs) so (laughs) in our previous series it might be the first amen in here in a while. I love it. In our previous series, we talked about the body of Christ and how each of, one, each of us has a unique and valuable role in the church. And now there are a lot of tr- people that are trying to be the mouth or the eye or something you think is valuable, right? But we need elbows. I don't know. The arm's not going to work without elbows. We need ankles. Trust me. I've broken my ankles and had surgeries. I need ankles. The body of Christ needs ankles. Maybe we need an appendix. Not a good job. Tough job. You're going to get cut out and thrown away. But it's, <laughs> but sometimes it's a part of the body. We need you. So now I don't always want to be the pinky or the elbow. And sometimes that is what God is calling me to be for the body of Christ. And so right now, right now, it's a serious privilege that I get to stand up here and be the mouthpiece in a way. But as a pastor, there are plenty of times where I get to be the kidney and just filter out all the toxicity in a meeting <laughs> and just sit there and listen. And that's the truth. 
So a few weeks ago, I was flying home from Chicago, um, and I'm, we have two little girls, Addie, who was up here, the cutest thing you ever saw, and Emma, who's just as cute. And they're three in one, and it was like my first flight that wasn't a red eye, where I was just flying by myself in a very long time. So you know this is a big deal. For parents, I'm, I, you see me, you know. There's no screaming, there's no diapers, there's no tears, there's no goldfish. And, <laughs> and in the beginning, so... Basically, I'm just like, oh, I got my shows downloaded. I'm ready to go. And everything's, everything's on the iPad. And I sit down, and then next to me sits this girl, and she's just distraught. And I just see it on her face, and I'm like, hmm, headphones. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> then she just taps me. She's like, hey, and she wants to start a conversation. I'm like, oh, of course. And, and then, but then she asks me what I do, and now it's, now it's on. I'm a pastor. And we are talking for the next four and a half hours about her life and her hardships. But then we talk about the fact that her dad just died and how she's tried to fill that void with all these terrible relationships. And, you know, that wasn't the flight I had planned to sit there and be the kidney and the ear. But I will tell you one thing. I had so much more joy at the end of that flight being able to be there for her and to hear her and be what God needed me to be for her. Um, so much more joy than whatever show I had downloaded. There were some good shows, but they didn't bring me joy. And that did. So that's, that's part of what this passage is about. It's about the joy of humility, humble joy. And in the beginning of the passage, we read that Paul is exhorting the church in Philippi, the Philippians, and he's encouraging them to be united in Christ. It's Paul's like, read every letter of Paul, almost every one of them boils down to unity. Unity, 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 which is funny because nowadays people take verses out of Paul's letters and just hurl them at each other like cudgels, like, women can't preach this, that, all these things. And you're like, wasn't, wasn't he talking about unity? <laughs> wasn't that, don't eat meat. Anyways, so Paul's encouraging us to be united. And this passage is about our unity in the church. And he writes in verse two, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, or better than yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Wow, what's a world that would be, right? Man, I want to live in that world. But sometimes I don't think we live in that world. Sometimes I don't think we do that as the church. That's our call, but I don't necessarily think that we do that. Now, I was at a conference a few years ago, about six or seven years ago, and this lady, this wonderful pastor, she was speaking about treating others as God sees them or treating others better than ourselves. And she said that she prayed and asked God to show her a vision of how God sees specific people in her life. And she got these incredible visions and, and words from the Lord about how God saw her family and her friends and her coworkers. And, and you know what she did? She treated them like God saw them. Wow, that's interesting, right? And they began, their relationships with her began to change. She noticed that they started acting like the people she was treating them like. And my mom's been a teacher for 40 years. She's, she's an amazing teacher. But there's this famous study in teaching where they, they took these two groups of kids, right? And they took one group of kids and they, they put them in and they told these teachers, hey, these kids are the remedial class, just FYI. Tailor it, teach them that way. And they went to this other group and they said, hey, these kids are the A-plus students. They're your best students in, in the school. Teach them that way. And they did that. And the kids were actually the same, totally the same, same grades. They were all like B and C students. And guess what? 
the ones they told were A+, plus started getting A's. And the ones that they told were D students, they started getting C's and D's. People are going to become like we treat them, as we treat them. When I came home from this conference, God, God well, at the, at the conference, God put it on my heart to pray this over my family. And I prayed, and we didn't have kids, it was just me and Joanna. And so I prayed, and I said, God, how do you, how do you see Joanna? And God said to me, she will paint my kingdom. Mm, it's beautiful. It almost brings me to tears. She will paint my kingdom. And that, that changed how I view Joanna. Because, yeah, she's my wife and a daughter, um, but she's a sister in Christ, and she's a daughter of the king. And how I see her, how I treat her, should be how God sees her. And so sometimes when she says a thing to this day, I'll think, oh, how is this, me? How is this helping me help Joanna become who she's made to be? How is she going to paint God's kingdom with this? So I promise you if, you, if you ask people, if you ask God to show you how, how he sees people around you, he's going to show you. He loves this. God wants to do this, whether it's through verses or a vision or words. God wants this to happen. So a couple of months ago, we were talking about making room for the Holy Spirit. And I said that I begrudgingly set my 9 a.m. alarm because my boss made me. Um, and honestly, I didn't, I didn't want to, but I did it. And I was working out, and it was me time. And I was listening to this, this song, and I just had it on shuffle. And I said, like, the shortest least faithful prayer of all time. Like, 9 a.m., cool, God, whatever you want, let's do it. Okay, back to workout. And God said, God immediately brought this person into my mind. And I hadn't seen this guy for like five, six years, like college, right? And I felt like I should send him the song I was listening to. So I did. I sent him the song, and he, uh, he told me that that morning his grandfather had passed away. That's, what he, that's the text he sent back to me. And him and his wife had just sat there with that song as God comforted them and loved them and brought that to them in the midst of that. Man, I, like, talk about faith of mustard seed, right? Like, I had no faith. I had n- almost zero obedience, just like the, the modicum of, of obedience, and God did all of that with that, right? That's so cool. And I don't say this story because I'm, like, the hero of the story. I'm actually not. I'm kind of like Jonah being, like, fine. But... But God wants us to experience joy. That is why God calls us to humble ourselves. So I I sat there, I humbled myself, and then I was immediately obedient. And there's this connection between our obedience and our humility. Like, I could could look kind of weird, right? Six years, haven't heard from a guy, sends you a random Christian song, you're like, okay, weird. But I was willing to do that because I wanted to experience that joy that God had for me. I received so much joy that morning, but I wouldn't have if I hadn't humbled myself, if I hadn't been obedient to God. So as I, as I say some of these stories, who is God putting on your heart right now? Who came to mind when, when we talked about some of these? And practically, what can you do to encourage that person, to love them, consider them better than yourself? It could be as simple as sending a text like I did, or, or it could be writing a note of how thankful you are, an email. It doesn't have to be some big, grandiose thing. But if we listen to the Spirit, if we humble ourselves, and if we consider others better than ourselves, God is going to do amazing things through this community, through Pine Lake Covenant, and bring us into unity and joy together. And there's data, like I said, the, the students, there's data to back this up, but scientists have shown that it takes five positive 
experiences to outweigh one negative. Woo! Dang. Paul's clearly saying that we consider others better than ourselves, right? We should. But we have to start practicing this, practicing this with one another. Now, I think about how I treat my own family. And do I have five positive interactions with my daughters for every one negative? Ooh, I don't know. That might be a, a one-to-one. <laughs> that might not be five-to-one. I hope it's more. Do I have five positive interactions with Joanna, with my wife, for every one negative? I don't think so. I don't know. I'm trying. But we have to start practicing this, just thinking that we're going to get better at this with one another. That, that doesn't make it happen. That's like that mental ascent. You think, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. No, you're not going to do what you don't do. You have to practice this to get better. So again, what can you do practically this week to exhort your, exhort your brother or sister in Christ? I think um, sometimes I go to memorials and I go to funerals and the most beautiful things get spoken about people. And we never said to the, that to those people when they were alive. We never said those words to them when we could see them and speak that life into them and see it change them. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait <laughs> for, the, for, for the next life to hear some amazing things from you to me and from me to you. And so I would say this as the body of Christ. Yeah, I get to be the mouth up here today. But we, your pastors, each other, we need lungs. We need people who breathe life into us. I need people that I breathe life into in here. I know that. God has me that, at that place with other people. So start saying that extra thing to those you love. Go the extra mile. Say, say one extra thing to, to somebody you love. Start writing down two positives for every negative thought you had about somebody. We need to take our thoughts captive and start practicing considering others better than ourselves. And now we talked about humility and seeing ourselves rightly and considering others better than, than ourselves, but let me read another passage of scripture that connects to our humility. In Micah 6.8, the prophet Micah genuinely asks how we can please God and he's concerned with what God requires. He says to God, to make right with you, God, should, should I bring offerings, sacrifices, my firstborn child? And God responds, no way, not your firstborn child, please. Not your gifts, your words, or even your most prized possessions. God says... And what does the Lord require of you but to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? So again, we see this word. It's in Hebrew, but the Greek is tapainos, humble, right? Walking humbly with God. And this isn't an accident. Through Micah, God is calling us to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with him. There's this connection, just like in Philippians, between our humility and then our obedience to God's call on our lives. They're not separate. And then immediately, we're called to that obedience, right? When we see ourselves rightly, and we see each other rightly, and consider other better, others better than ourselves, we see where God is calling us to lay down our pride and to be obedient. Now, let me share another story about this, this, this guy I heard from at a conference, and he was a, a Christian filmmaker, um, and he... he um, was praying, and in his prayer time, he heard God come to him with this, this idea for a, a movie. And he just thought that it was way too corny. <laughs> and for those of you that have seen Christian movies, there's some really corny ones out there. We can all agree to that. That's okay. Um, but he just thought it was way too corny. He's like, no way. I'm not doing it. And so he didn't follow up on it, and he just, he, he just forgot about it. Well, two years later, he saw that exact same film being made by a director that he respected and it was winning awards and it was all these film festivals. <laughs> and when he, he was like, oh man, that was the same idea I had two years ago. And when he prayed, he felt like God said to him, 
my son, I wanted to make this movie with you, but I'm still going to make it. It's still going to get made. Now, that director, he let his pride and his reputation steal that joy that God wanted to give him, right? God wants to use us, but we are not going to get in God's way. Amen? Amen, amen to that. The kingdom will come. God is victorious already. God's will is going to get done with or without you. The question is, do you want to be a part of that? Do you want to be a part of that joy? God doesn't need us, but God wants to use us, and he wants us to experience that joy. Now, obedience is going to look different for each of us because he's made us all unique, as we talked about, the body of Christ. And this isn't like my school's Jesus Award, where the quietest, mousiest person gets the prize. No, no, no. God has made you to be you, introvert, extrovert, outgoing, inward, cerebral, whatever you are, God's made you to be you. But you have to, in order to see yourself rightly, you have to see yourself as God sees you, as beloved, as a child of God. And sometimes we let the world poison the way we see ourselves, right? We don't see us ourselves as this child of God. And the passage that we read says, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient, obedient even to death on a cross. Whew. Now our humility leads to obedience, and that obedience may not always look humble to the world. I, I don't necessarily like the Jesus award, right? <laughs> the actual Jesus. I don't know if it necessarily looked humble when he was flipping over tables in the temple because he was upset about God's injustice, right? People profaning the name of God. That didn't look humble, but he was obedient to who God was calling him to be. And he was taking his life into his hands. He was obedient to the point of death on a cross. So our humility leads to obedience and sacrifice. So for us, that might be advocating for the poor and disenfranchised, speaking truth to power. It may look like listening on an airplane when somebody needs it and you had shows downloaded you wanted to watch. (laughs) It's definitely going to look like taking up our cross, laying down our lives and following Jesus. I guarantee that. It will always look like that. Now, Pastor Craig Groeschel wrote this. He said, whether or not you have a title, your role, your gifts, and your contributions always matter in God's church. Yes, this is not our church. This is God's church. Amen? Church, we need you. We need each other. Together, we are the body of Christ, and we need all of us. We need to see ourselves and each other rightly as God sees us, and we need to consider one another better than ourselves. Now, when I was praying this week about what God had for this sermon, I remembered this story that, um, that my dad told me when I was a little kid. And my dad, he's this awesome guy. I love my dad. And he, um, but he's been sick for a long time since I was a little kid, since I was about 16. My dad's had heart failure and all sorts of stuff that's kept him from a lot of things in life and a lot of things he loves to do. But what did my dad do at that time? He could have been sour and sad and angry and bitter. He took that time and he spends it with the Spirit. He takes two and three hours with God in the morning and, and just listens to what God has to say. I love that. That's the kind of example I got to see. It doesn't always look like success to the world, but it sure does look like humility. It sure does look like the kingdom of God to me. And one time, the Spirit came and, 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 and was speaking to my dad from God and said, Paul, my dad's name is Paul, why do you think that the Pharisees couldn't see Jesus, my son, me, when I was in front of them, in their midst, 
Like the Pharisees, right? We, we think, oh, the Pharisees, these awful people. But they were actually like these religious leaders, zealots of the Jewish people. And by all accounts, biblically, the Jewish people knew God. They were God's chosen people, right? They knew Hashem, Yahweh, God. And yet, God's son, the Messiah, is right in front of them. And they can't see him. Have, can't see him at all. Well, my dad was like, okay, I don't know the answer to this question. Lord, I have no clue. And God said to my dad, my word in John says streams of living water will flow up from within those who believe in me. But water doesn't flow uphill. Mm. But water doesn't flow uphill. You see, the Pharisees, these God-fearing, God-believing people, had God's son right in front of them. But they couldn't see him as God and they couldn't receive the living water that he had flowing to everyone in the world, they couldn't receive it because living water does not flow uphill. And that is why God calls us to humble ourselves, to imitate Jesus' humility and to see ourselves and others rightly. God wants those streams of living water that he's put within us, the spirit, God's spirit, to flow through us to bind us together in unity, as as Paul says here, and to help us build God's kingdom together. But if we consider ourselves better, if we think we're better than our neighbor, our family, our friends, we're never gonna receive that gift of that living water that God has for us. So, church, how is God calling you to see yourself rightly? How is God calling you to see others as better than yourself? Maybe you heard a conviction from God in the midst of this sermon. I know I did when I wrote it. (laughs) It was a lot of conviction. How is God calling us to humble ourselves? And practically, who does God put on your mind to go and love and speak life, streams of living water into their lives? That's the call as the church. That's the call as believers, as followers of Christ. I believe that we do this, if we do this, God has joy, deep joy waiting for us in his kingdom. And I believe that God wants that for all of us. So I would encourage you today, church. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for your example of humility, of humbling yourself, of coming to earth, becoming a man and living amongst people who didn't deserve you, who shunned you, who hurt you, who crucified you, God. But ultimately, Jesus, you were resurrected on that third day and you came back to life, God, to show us the example of everlasting life, to set us free from sin and redeem us, God. Jesus, thank you for the gift that you show us in your example of how to live humbly, a humble life. God, I pray that the joy that you have for us, that the joy of the Lord would be our strength. God, we give you this space, these words, everything we have, God. We lay down at your feet. Make us a humble people, God, who see ourselves and each other rightly, who treat ourselves and each other rightly. God, we love you. We lift you up. We praise you. In your son's name, amen.